I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. stop seeing them you know that's when you get that false sense of security of oh i got them yeah yeah so, exactly didn't because there's always it's like the, the jason movies and stuff like the serial killer movies they're never like really gone they're, they're never really gone especially if you have carpeting like that's what i'm that's what that's yeah. what freaks me out the most is like there's carpeting in that room so like they'll never be gone and then at the same time though I only find dead ones. So clearly what I'm doing is working, but it's still like, like if you walked into a room and there was dead zombies, you'd feel okay. Cause they were, they were, they were, they were dead zombies. They weren't lives out or like moving zombies, but you still know that there's zombies around. One of them could be faking. One of them. Yeah. One of them could be just sleeping. Just like yeah. taking a, taking a, a, a siesta from eating all the brain matter. Just like snake mites, snakes and stogies. Yeah. Episode one eighty eight. Welcome to the show, folks. Hello. It must be Monday. 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 This episode is brought to you by Fulvis Apparel. Use code THN at checkout. Save yourself fifteen percent off your entire order. That is the exclusive code just for. THN listeners and viewers like you got some new shirts up as of recently got a couple more that I'm going to be adding bro you knocked it out of the park with the Cordilla die you 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 knew what I needed in my soul I did it for you buddy you did dude and that like that plate 30 like it's plate 30 right is that is that uh, Albert Gunther, circa 1876. I honestly couldn't tell you. It doesn't doesn't tell me like it didn't have an author with really? it. Um, I'll find. I found like I find those plates, and some of them are in decent enough shape to where I don't have to recreate the text, but some of them are, and so that's not the original font and text that was with it. But I try to find okay. something as close to that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's stensely <clears throat> almost primitive typewriter, you know, printing press, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So you like I, I, spent, I spent hours um, on some of that stuff over the weekend. Like I came in here, you know, smoke like two cigars and just for like three hours straight, just zoned in you know and working on on that stuff and i freaking love it it's excellent it's, it's like it's like playing a game like if i was yeah. playing xbox or something i just like time just flies because because katie came in she's like you've been in here for three hours i was like i've been here for like an hour and a half and then you look at your watch and then i'm like oh <laughs> it's almost one yeah okay yeah fair yeah. enough yeah i had a feeling nate would like that crocodilian shirt so oh yeah oh yeah I'm, I'm wearing that one right now. I, I did. I did test printers. Nice. Because I was worried that they 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 look the files look good, but if anyone's ever done print related stuff, there's like what you see on the computer and what you see on the actual printed medium, be it paper, or cotton shirts, or whatever. 
sometimes it's not. They ain't the same. So yeah, yeah. I do test runs. Those test runs usually end up being my my shirt. So yeah, man. And dude, from what it looks like, you're you're not you're not wasting material. You know, it's good. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's I think the only shirt that I printed out where I like kind of completely scrapped it was that Gila shirt that I did. Okay. I did like one of those and the color was all jacked up for some reason. Um, I don't think it was the printer. I think it's the actual the file format, but right. That one printed and I was just like, not I need to revisit that one. I need to, I need to play with that one some more. But I've got okay. some other good ones. I've got some some Calliophus nice stuff to work on hell um, yeah i am making a conscious effort to get more non-snake related stuff done so good I'm trying good. to get more more uh tortoises turtles stuff like that lizards um amphibians you yeah know, trying to diversify so hell yeah how's my how's my uh my outback hat dumpy tree frog I have not worked on that. Okay. All right. More either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, I, like, I don't know how I got that mixed up, but the hat that I ended up going with versus the hat that you had mentioned, because I was like, oh, I know exactly what kind of hat Phil's talking about. It was not the not the right hat. It was completely different. No, and the hat that you picked was 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 cute and, and somewhat fitting, but no, I was going for that that outback uh, I mean it's a it's a British Fusiliers hat where the one side is flipped up so that when the when the rifleman is shooting right. his rifle, the brim doesn't interfere. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And Nate said it. He said, as someone who has worked with printing presses, you're spot on about the difference between computer screen and on paper. Yeah. There you go. RGB and, you know, CYMK and things like that. Those things matter in the details oh yeah um i do need to get some more mugs made and put up um definitely want to sort of expand offerings as far as designs and, and those i think right now i i sold the the last hemipenes cup mug that i had um but i have two of these splendida mugs on the website right now so nice for anyone curious um good stuff man Lyasis, yeah, that's that's been on the on the docket. Um, you know, it's I definitely have a mental list, a long mental list of of stuff. So oh, good stuff, that. man. My, my dad's here. Hey, so yeah. check that out, fullvisparel.com. Again, use code THN to check out fifteen percent off your order. Blackboxcages.com. Phil has cages. I have cages. I have racks. I don't know if Phil has racks. You don't have, you have racks? I don't. I don't. I've only got sliders. Well, so when that day comes, yep. Let me tell you, them racks are slicker than grease. And I'll tell you what, I have, I've got all my racks are from a very big name in our industry. Uh, the owner is a, Petco. I would say, uh, the owner is a personal friend of mine. I mean, we don't hang out, you know, that often these days, but I could call him up. He'd be there. Um, his racks are amazing, but they're starting to show wear. And it may be time to uh, to upgrade and uh, expand a little bit. So, 
blackboxcages.com. Again, also use the code THN at checkout and you get 10% off your order. Every little bit counts. Save, you know. Bitchin'. Um, lead times can't be beat. I think they're still currently at two weeks, um, which is just a wild concept for a lot of people. Order a cage, get a cage. No guessing, no emailing saying, hey, any idea when my order is going to be shipped out? And you being like, yep, it's there with zero updates, you know, so which has yeah. been my experience with with particular other companies in the past where I'm like, hey, what's an update on this order? We have the order. OK, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of being it. So. Um, yes, blackboxcages.com. Even if you're just kind of shopping around at the moment, please hop on the website, check it out. If you have any questions, message the page, send them an email. Jen and Clint are very prompt with, with answering messages. So check that out. Then the fine folks in the Pacific Northwest, Puget Sound Pythons. Puget Sound Pythons. And they have a big season on the horizon. They Sounds do. Like they've been, they got an ultrasound. Oh really? They've been ultrasound and snakes, and they're like, it's about. There's a lot going on. Like, wow, eggs, eggs are eggs are coming. So nice, nice. Do we know the diversity of species, or or they? Keep uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. They haven't mentioned anything to me specifically about species. I know they had some some ball projects planned. Mm-hmm. Um because they do have some some ball morphs and stuff but they're very particular about what they're what they're focused on with those. Right, right. Um but I'm not sure where they're at with with some of the other um outlier species that they're that they're also working with. So. Yeah. They got a lot of grow up stuff, man. They're, they're they just got like, a lot uh, of stuff. Just like us, man. They got a lot of good grow up stuff, so. See, I saw you funneling a Leonis. Did Chris produce that one? Yes, Chris did. That thing is just... I can't help but, but take that thing out and look at it and just be like, oh my god. So we'll get to it in a little bit, I'm sure, but like with this recent cold snap that the East Coast has been experiencing, I was hesitant to feed my Leonis because I don't keep it on heat or anything and it's probably the coldest thing in the room. I literally just fed it a boiled pink and the thing scarfed it like, oh, cold weather i don't yeah. think so yeah. mine don't care mine, yeah. mine eat regard like both of them are just monsters kings of leonis yeah i was really i really thought that 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 design would be a hit but i think it's too niche man it might be it yeah. probably is i don't yeah i thought it was good i thought it was great yeah <laughs> especially on that texas know. orange oh yeah looks real good oh yeah what temps are your room, Philip? Um, well, I was actually, I figured we'd get into that in a little bit, but uh, right now I'm sitting outside and I believe this may be the coolest it's been this year. And it is 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh. It is, um, it's, um, I'm in basketball shorts and a Fulvius apparel t-shirt. Life is good. Um, the snake room, however, is only 71 and it's killing me. Um, I actually moved that Leonis into my bedroom, which is like 66, I think. Um, and it's the only animal in there just because I wanted it to get a little cooler, you know, just to kind of help mm-hmm. it do its thing. Um, 
but yes, yeah, it's, it's only 71 right now. I, I want to crack a window so bad, but Fish and Wildlife won't let me. So, but we'll, we'll talk about more about that in a little bit. Um, you got a package in the mail too, right? Didn't you? A little black bag. Oh, I sh I sure did. Look at you sure oh. did. Look at that. Snakes blend. I actually was going to bring mine outside, and I completely Stay forgot it. Stay energized. So what I, I had it right here on the little table, but because of the way the the camera is, it doesn't get any of that stuff. It doesn't have the, you know, all the the knickknacks yeah. that we've accrued over the years from various people. But I wanted to get a shelf where I could like put stuff. That's what you should do, right, man. Right here, you know, just. That's really what it. you should do. But. Coldbloodedcaffeine.com. Snakes and Stogies blend. Do it. You will like it. It is that. Uh, it's you the will. odd combination of Mexican and Rwandan coffee beans. It's it dances on the palate. It's. It's. I feel like it's. It's. Such a good. It's it's me and Phil like to a T. To a T. To a T. Like if if we were both ground up and put into boiling hot water and you drank it, that we would mm -hmm. taste like we would taste like this. We would. We would. So check that out. Uh, I need to load up. I want to get me a bag to take with me to Tennessee so I can show it off to my family. Oh, when are you going for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. So I'm oh, off. Nice. We get the the week of Christmas off. Of That's work. awesome. Um, so from like the twenty third through like the second of January, I'm off. Which excellent. Frankly, is entirely too much time because I remember last year, like it was great for the first like three days, and then after that, I was like, I'm bored. I'm ready to go back to work. I've got nothing to do. Like, and well, I mean, this year too, it may be different because um, if I get orders, you know, Fulvius orders and stuff, I'll need to run that printer, those printers while we're gone, anyways, because they do sort of, you do need to sort of cycle them regularly. Um, that'll be a good excuse to to go and yeah, do that. So, oh yeah, we'll see. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, cold butter caffeine. Grab some. Use the link below. So if, if you're on YouTube and stuff, um, down below, there's a link where you can order. Me and Phil get a little a little something from it. Otherwise, uh, you can use the code S and S, the and symbol, ampersand, uh, at checkout and get some, some shaved off your order as well. Yep, Do you yep, ever yep. smoke cloves? Oh, we, I don't think we've ever talked about cloves before. We have not talked about cloves. So um, I go go ahead. Go ahead. I hate them. <gasps> really? I okay. What I've had, I hated. Okay. I I don't know if you smoked cloves before the United States banned flavored tobacco. This would probably be, I guess it was maybe 2010, 2009, something like that. Did you smoke cloves back then? We can still get cloves. No, you get clove cigars or cigarellos. But an actual clove cigarette, like a oh. real cigarette, 
is no. banned in the United States. You have that, to smuggle that, them from yeah, Canada. Man, I don't I don't know then. So when the United States banned flavored tobacco because it was too appealing to kids, little did they know that vapes were gonna be a thing. Um I I smoked cloves on occasion. You know what I mean? Especially in college. Like it was the cool thing to do in college. Like girls liked it. It was it was schnazzy. It was a black cigarette. It was cool. Um I actually had one. Somebody brought some back from like the Bahamas or something recently. And they're like, hey man, I got a clove. You want a clove? I was like, sure. I haven't had smoked one of these in 10 years, man. And uh it was good, but I can't see myself smoking it regularly as a normal cigarette smoker. Um, but I thought they were enjoyable. I, they definitely always smell better than they taste, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think the clove cigarette cigars or cigarellos, whatever they're called, where it's 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 not intended to be inhaled, it's intended to be smoked like a cigar. It's not for me. I'm not a fan. Did you see this? Oh, you Cox, got one? This is Cox. Uh, this is my secret Santa from Cox. Oh, that's awesome. Look at that. Look at the little inlay and everything. That's great. Yeah. It's like that's awesome. It's super thin. It's like the size. It's like a stick of freaking gum. That's fantastic. Who makes it? Gerber. Nice. You're a Gerber baby. I love it. I don't know. I like it. That's awesome, man. It's nice, nice size. Nice easy yeah. size. I had to trim a fingernail. So yeah. Um, irrelevant, but <laughs> yes, I uh we used to so when I worked at the shop, we had he still carries the Jarum blacks. Um and then like the Bally Highs and like all the tropical flavored stuff. Yeah. And, I had a buddy at one point buy some of the Jarum Black menthols. Okay. And it was, how do I describe this? If you took a dried up Christmas tree. Oh my God. And then you took some of like the worst potpourri you could find at TJ Maxx that was oh like God. back of the shelf that no one wanted to buy. Just dry. And then you put it in, uh, like an old rusty blender from Goodwill that's been sitting there for 10 years. <laughs> um, and then you slapped a, a used filter inside of a stupid piece of black craft paper, you would have yourself a clove cigar. Man, tell us how you really feel. It was bad, dude. And then it like, I could, it, it, it like coats your teeth like you can feel it like it puts this weird like film i don't know how to describe it but there was like a lining <laughs> it had, an, it had its own mouth. its own enamel <laughs> yeah dude it was it was horrible and it was like it tasted bad it was just horrible it was bad but Nice, nice. I had people come in wanting to looking for those specifically all the time. They're like, "You guys have the jars? We can't find these anywhere anymore." I'm like, "Yeah, there's probably a reason for that." Yeah, horrible. Yeah, and I feel bad for a lot of the people that smoked clove cigarettes, and then they banned them, but they kept the packaging the same on the cigars or the cigarellos. So like, people bought them thinking it was a cigarette, and I'm sure they learned the hard way. Then they take a big old drag, and they're like, "Yep." Ah, sad panda. Nate asked if I'd ever considered doing canvas posters of the shirt designs and stuff. That could be cool. I could. Um, we can act like with those DTG printers, you can actually print on canvases and things like that. 
I just don't know. I don't know I'm always terrified to mount it. Coat like, that in like a poly or something to preserve it. Long-term. I don't know, man. I feel like if you got the right canvas material, you, you probably wouldn't have to coat it in anything. It's just my, my problem is always mounting it onto the frame. Because, uh, I mean, you, you think it's simple. It's a wooden frame with staples in the back of it. But, dude, I never get it straight. I never – it's always crooked. I didn't I didn't screw the wood together correctly. When uh, I – man, when I was working in Walgreens, I ran the photo photo department in a Walgreens for – that was, like, my very first, like, job job. I was there for about seven years. Um, we started doing the canvases there. And even with – sort of the the simple instructions of like the 3m tape that they were using because they were like it's so easy you print it and then you put on this thing and you yeah okay it i, I messed up a lot of them before i got it right like it, nice even without screws and hardware it was yeah it was tough yeah and then they wouldn't be fully taught there'd be like a like a bow in the middle or there'd be like a little a line like yeah. what would have been an air bubble if it was adhesive yep. yeah yeah that's rough Snakes would lend themselves really well to long, skinny wall hangings. It's true. That's very true. I uh, I got my cousin when he when he got his new house. I bought him a, uh, it's a it's a Mercator map of the world, but it's broken into five panels, and it's not um a normal map. It, it almost looks like the continents are made of granite or marble. It's pretty cool. It's very old world looking, um, and it's cool the way they they broke the panels up into pieces. Um, but I told him, I was like, look, man, these are rolled up. You're on your own for mounting it. And dude, he mounted them perfect and it came out great. But I could totally see what they're saying about a lit long linear snake pattern or design or, you know, a scientific illustration. I think that would look really cool. You know, three or four panels on the wall. That'd be awesome. So what are we smoking? Uh, tonight is a My Father number five. Oh. Oh. It's just a good. It's it's strong, but it's not like like puts you in a chokehold. Strong. It's yeah. It's Andre the Giant is a bouncer, and he doesn't want to have to hurt you, but he could if he wanted to. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It has he's, a presence. He's not shaking your hand. He's literally holding your entire fist in his hand, but he's not quite squeezing. It's like a, like a temperamental gaboon. It knows fully well that it could, it could make you piss yourself. Yeah, yeah. And do things you didn't think giant slug caterpillar snakes could do. Oh yeah. But it doesn't because it doesn't want to. It's not yeah. to say that it couldn't. Speaking of which, my girl, my big girl, just shed for the first time in like six months, and there's no poo. And I was thinking about what we talked about last week about the blood pythons and them retaining feces and everything. And all I could think of is how horrible the next 48 to 72 hours is going to be for me. Cause I know that when she's ready to dump that load, the whole house is going to the be. whole house. Oof. Oof. <sighs> Y'all ever chat about smoking? What is that? What are we looking at? Aldi squid, I can't see it. Read that. Aweed, weed. I guess is that how they spell weed? No, that's, weed. that's 
We don't Keep... partake in the devil's lettuce. I don't. I I've tried it. Not my thing. It was all right. To each their own. But not on the show. Was, it was overrated. The edibles, however, was a. <laughs> that was a journey. That was an experience, and that's another one that I would. I think I would kind of prefer to not have to go down that road again because that was. Uh... I wish someone had told me what I was supposed to be doing when I when I when I ate those. What, what were you supposed to be doing? <laughs> so I was given. Two and a half of these things, and they're tiny, right? They're not big. They were like, yeah, you know, little. And I was like, you're, you're a big guy. I'm big. I'll eat all of them, both all two and a half of them. I was like, how strong can they possibly be? They're little. Yeah, right. I didn't read the package. I didn't read any of that. Um, Raj gave it to me. Dude, that was a scar shop. He's like, here, I don't, I don't like pineapple flavored stuff. And I was like, neither do I. But I'll try them out. Why not? Yeah. I ate them and then I went home, like got in my car and drove home and nothing like nothing had happened. And then I'm standing in the kitchen watching TV. And then all of a sudden I was thrust into a, another plane. Jason Keller was there playing the bongos. No, but it was fun for what felt like an hour. It could have been longer. It could have been less. I'm honestly not sure. Yeah. And then I, I didn't like it anymore and I wanted off that ride. And then I started sobbing because it wouldn't go away. And Katie thought it was hilarious and messed with me the whole time. That's horrible. <laughs> That's absolutely horrible. Your wife's a sadistic person. She thought it was hilarious. But then she also felt bad for me when I started to sob. Cry. I'm going to go ahead and say I cried. Because I was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Trippy says he slept for a whole weekend. (laughs) She knew knew what I was talking about. You know, she's like, she's like, then I felt bad. She's like, because I know exactly. I knew exactly where you were. Nice. Uh, Nice. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, you know, it was again if I had maybe done like the the half piece maybe would have been would have been nice, would have been pleasant and it wasn't unpleasant. It wasn't like I didn't have like sleep paralysis demons coming after me or anything like that. <laughs> but it was still is it's kind of like when you're when you're really drunk and you just don't want to be drunk anymore and you're like I just Oh yeah. I just want to go home. I just want to yep. I want to. I want to go. I want off the ride. I'm yep. done. But you don't get a choice. Baphomet's basil has a white knuckle grip around your brainstem. <laughs> He's just squeezing it. You're having flashbacks right now, aren't you? Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. It was. You know. Hey, I'm. I'm not anti pot by any means it's yeah this is this is not an uh, anti-marijuana show i have i I had a lot of friends in high school and after that sort of made it their entire personality and that being around them a lot kind of turned me off to it and just kind of like i'd rather i'd rather waste my money on cigars 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> Jacob said, ticket, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a Rick and Morty reference, but if it was, I love you, Jenkins. I did, so I will say I slept like a freaking baby that night, though. That was that'll happen. That was great. That'll happen. Didn't have a care in the world. Was wrapped up like a baby kangaroo. Woke up. I woke up a little groggy. I woke up a little kind of like out of it, but I felt rested. Good. That's all that matters. That's right. So the the moral of the story is if you've never eaten those before, if you know somebody who has, you should probably ask them about it before you just dive right in. They're deceptive because they look small. And I fell for it. I I paid dearly. Yep. That'll happen. What's Adam? new with you? Wow. Um, this is a segue into hell from hell. Um, I feel like Jason Keller just like patted me on the shoulder for a second there. I'm getting weird. Um, same old man. Same old with me. Um, is he patting your shoulder or rubbing your thigh? Oh, no. Patting my shoulder. And I could feel his hot breath on my oh, nape. Oh, that's even worse. Stop. His hot man breath. It smells like. IPAs. <laughs> it's just it's just IPAs and Marlboros. Marlboros. Yep. That's our boy. God bless him. Um <laughs> same old, same old on my end, man. Um trying to get the room cool. Um we keep bringing up temps. So for those of you who've been listening to the show as of the past few months, I've been fully decked into having an arid grassland desert snake room. Um there is some temperate and quasi tropical stuff in there but for the most part it's as deserty as i can get for living in a semi-tropical place on the planet for those of you curious i'm at the 26th parallel so the humidity is thick with three c's as uh, some of our friends would say but i'm trying to do a really good job about maintaining humidity control in the snake room um, because of the desert species I'm keeping, Pseudocerastes uh, fieldi or fieldi, Cerastes uh, cerastes, um, uh, wrinkles, um, Quazulnatal puff adders, uh, Transpecos copperheads, uh, Transpecos rat snakes, Subocularis. So uh, right now, the south side of the room is 72 degrees fahrenheit the north side of the room is 71 degrees fahrenheit and it is 61 degrees fahrenheit outside and i desperately want to open a window but because there are venomous restrictions in the state of florida even with a screen i am prohibited from opening said window because of the possible risk of escape and i will respect those wishes because uh, those rules excuse me i should say because it's the right thing to do um i may if it really gets cold like into the say the 40s sometime this winter i may because that means it'll be at least 10 or 15 degrees cooler in the snake room i may crack a screened window and stay in the room maybe read a book maybe you know play on my phone yeah. just i'll be there present you know obviously nothing's getting out but at least be present i'm not going to leave the house or anything uh and then after a few hours once some cool air has gotten in i'll close the window and kind of go from there but i haven't quite decided how i want to go about that but 
I got KwaZulu Natal. Puff Adders paired up as we speak. Oh. Um, they are not locked, but they've been basically cuddling for the past week. It's usually a good sign. It's usually a good sign. So uh, we shall see. Um, and then I also, I, so I've got four adult Transpecos Copperheads. Um, and I the way I did it was 1.1 in one drawer and then 0 0.2 in another drawer. And I may have mixed those ratios up because there has been some hardcore canoodling. So either I actually have 2.2 or I just have very friendly copperheads. I don't know. But this weather, I'm sure, is helping. So uh, we shall see. Other than that, man, everything's the same. Everything's normal. Yeah, I have nothing nothing new to report. Um, hopefully, Condros. I don't. I don't know. I I keep getting locks. Okay. Um, she's swelling up at all, or no? She hasn't yet, but I do remember last time I produced Condros. It was like. December, I got a, a decent amount of locks, and then it wasn't until I think January that they were laid. Um, and I've been like, I've been, I've been writing down every single time I've, I've found them in confirmed locks. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I'm basically me staying in there until I get. That's fine. Definitive. Have you fed him she, in there? What with her or no? I have. And they've been cool. I'm going to knock on wood and say yes. And I, I didn't mean in an, uh, I, I meant more like he actually takes the food. <laughs> yeah. 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 Th th that would be my concern. I've, I, I wouldn't. I've fed conjures in the same cage and it's gone terribly wrong. And it's. Unless it's a huge cage. <laughs> it's such a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, I was, just, I was I, more I gotta... worried that he would just have booty on the brain no, and not want to no, eat. He's so. actually always been really good about that, surprisingly. Excellent. As many issues as I've, as I've had with that male since I got him because it's a problem child. That, that Yeah. You know, um, just getting him to eat when I first got him, I mean, anything other than live was was really hard, but finally he got it together, and now he's, it doesn't matter what's going on, he's going to he's gonna eat, so. Nice. Um, and that female, actually, so she's kind of... <clears throat> She's been a little odd. Like I've offered her a few times, she she refused, and I'm wondering if she was fed live almost exclusively because it's not until I like really start wiggling that thing and really like tapping her with it and yeah, getting getting stupid with it that she's like, oh okay, I'll eat it. If I just hold it up to her like I do any of the other chondros, she's like, she just stares at it. She's like, but what is that? So yeah, I think she was fed live and and nothing but. Um, but I'm also not feeding her a ton because she's she's huge. She does not need more food. Yeah, it's pretty much maintenance feeding at this point. Just yeah, maintaining. Yeah, so that's good. I will say this: I um, my Gila monster has been weird ever since I put her in the the black box that I decked out. Uh, she won't stay in her hide cave, and this is um. I don't want to say the same. So I built I built multiple caves out of excavator clay at my old place. 
And when I moved, I they're so hard to break off of glass and whatnot. And uh, I wound up abandoning that enclosure to my old roommate. And uh, him and his girl are actually breeding axolotls in that tank now, which I think is awesome. Um, <clears throat> but I took the, the the hide caves and I used that clay to make a new cave, right? So it smelled like her and everything else. She won't use it. And I'm like, why won't she use this? She's sitting out like in the open in the corner on the cool side of the enclosure. So I thought, well, maybe the heat lamp's too hot. So it's got a dimmer on it. So I turned the heat lamp down a little bit. And it's 71 in the room. And she just doesn't care. She's like, doesn't want to bask. It's kind of weird. She's eating. She's pooping. Everything's fine. She's not losing weight. I just thought it was very interesting that since I moved, she has no... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No desire to hide at all. She's just sitting out in the open. Lost her will to live. I don't know about that, man. She, she's still spunky. So, but I thought it was very interesting talking about big enclosures mm -hmm. and such. Yeah. And uh, Meteoric, uh, we definitely need to link up, brother. Uh, I know you're in the Sunshine State. So uh, DM me and we'll. I want to hear. So I want to. I got to get down that way. Y'all got to just come down for a weekend, man. That's just such a far trip for a weekend. No, it's it, how far is it to Black Box? Mm, four and a half hours. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how far is it to Billy's? Six hours. Okay. Yeah, it's it'll, it'll probably It'll be I like solid eight. No, I, I'm pretty sure it took me like nine, nine and a half to get to your house, be, but. Two hours of that was in your state. So just Which saying. makes no sense. But that's how because y'all got these tiny little bridges and two lane roads. Who the hell ever heard of two lane roads? Come on, man. Well Yeah, that, but that's I mean, talk speaking to the, the Gila thing, I mean, that's something that I do think about anytime I've had to move, especially with the green trees and stuff. Like the corns, like I don't think they, they seem to really care, but green trees for whatever reason seem to be a little more sensitive to to moves and like traumatic yeah. events like like yeah. that um a lot of I, I know it was pretty commonly said with a lot in in some of the groups and, and forums and stuff that moving like if you sell an adult female and you ship that you know cross country or, or wherever shipping it at all like you then need to give that female it was recommended to give that female like a year to settle in Oh, I believe it. I believe I, it. See, I I do, but at the same time, I don't, because it's like again, if if they were this sensitive to the the slightest bit of stress and and yeah, but we're talking about a generalization, right? We could have had outliers or not outliers, but we could have had exceptions to that. You know, it's like a, you know, Kyle told me that any montane rattlesnake, for the most part. If you change locations to that animal, it may take three to five years for that animal to become acclimated. Mm -hmm. And that, that could be a captive born baby that, you know, the, the breeder raised up for three, four months and then sold. It, it could take that long. I mean, I've gotten lucky with my clobber eye that yeah, I knock on knock on wood, man. Like I've never had a single issue, but lepidus lepidus, I've had some issues. So who knows? And dude, meteoric here in Palm Beach County. I'm in Boca, man. Why are we not grabbing a beer and talking about snakes? This has got to happen. DM me, brother, please. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, you know, I, I got that that female, 
and that was a local thing and that was a local move so i i wasn't as worried about it i mean yes she got changed from the you know the exo she was in into a, a much more spacious tub but even with that um i keep the the interactions as minimal as possible um for a while and don't offer food immediately usually um just give you got them in a 32 no she's in 200 court oh holy crap Okay. She's, yeah, she's in one of the Python portal setups, dude. And oh, even nice, that's nice. Even that's a little small. Like she needs really? to be a, she needs to be at a four foot. Really? And Jake has one that I used for the other female chondro I had, the one that I lost. He's like, Yeah, I gave it back to him after after she had rolled because I was like, I really don't I don't have anything in it and I'm not using it for anything. So I was like, You want it back? And he said, Sure. But now he's like, Do you want it back? Because I don't have anything to put in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, that female's such a she's she's <laughs> a fucking beast, dude. Wow. Like she makes that 200 court look small. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. I had no idea, man. I didn't realize she was in the 200. Yeah, I wish I I need to I want to get her out and take pictures again so you can sort of get more context as far as her size and in, in comparison to me, but she's just wait until we're done with the season she's she's <laughs> i mean she's she's just she's she's not as high strung as as the male is but she definitely has a pretty low threshold for your bullshit so yeah. like i'm in there she's fine but if i spend more than you know a couple minutes and they're changing paper you know puppy pads or whatever and water changes and stuff then she she'll start swinging and it's she means business when she does it dude like i do not want to get hit by that snake that is a big gondro does she do the uh the surinam boa like mouth half open thing no but the, she does like the carpet thing where they do that like sort of yeah yeah the wheezing half -assed, the yeah. half-assed hiss yeah yeah oh. yeah yeah i don't know but That's we'll good. see i mean the, like i said i've seen a, a lot of locks um she seemed to have very little hesitation as far as like when I first introduced that male and stuff, there wasn't like some of the females that I've, I've paired previously, like you put a male in there and they just start running and they start trying to get away. Yeah. She did not do that. She was just kind of like, Oh, okay. So speaking of runners away, how's that baby? Uh, it's definitely put on some weight. Okay, cool. Um, it's put on some size. I need, I tried to cyst feeding again the other night. And as I was doing that, the pinky just kind of started to, to fall apart a little bit and it just yeah. got gross and it spit it out again. And at that point I was already frustrated. I had a, I, I didn't put the lid on, on a corn tub all the way. I didn't snap it. And uh, I had a corn missing. So I was already like, frustrated from tearing apart the closet trying to look forward in there because i figured that's where it was it wasn't and then i was like trying to assist feed this this thing and it just wasn't playing it wasn't playing the game yeah and after like the third time of putting the mouse back in the mouth and then just holding it and it ditched it again i was like okay we're done like this mouse is falling apart my hands are gross we're moving on you know we'll come back to this later I'm not not worried about it the snake's not losing any weight so yeah that's good but yeah it's it's putting on weight it seems like it's doing well it's cruising uh most nights which is is good nice did you ever add foliage like we talked about or not I, no i didn't okay didn't i did so i did switch it out i had one of the manzanita perches in there they had yeah 
PetSmart had some nice, nice size, small ones that are like perfect for baby, baby green tree. And I put one of those in there and it started to get some mold on the end ends of it, you know, where the actual like wood is exposed. And for fear of that causing issues with such a small, small animal, I switched it out to a, to a bronze perch. So smart, smart. And the six quart one just, there's like, there's ventilation in that tub, but I figured I'm, it's better to just not chance it with that. Yeah. You know, if it was an older animal, it's no big deal. I'm not worried about it. But something that small, I think spores and things like that would actually cause cause some issues. Sure, sure. And uh, for anyone listening, if you have something like those manzanita perches, I mean, Smitty was right to to ditch it because once it gets like inside the core, like in that one core point where it's connecting and stuff, it's really hard to get mold out of there. But if you have uh, raw chlorhexidine, two percent. 5%, whatever, before you've diluted it to spray as a cleaner, you can squirt a little or rub a little on your grapevine or your uh, uh, cork flat, and that'll actually kill fungus. It kills fungus really, really well. Um, just remember that it is raw, so you should kind of let it air out and dry a little bit before you put an animal back with it. But uh, but that that raw chlorhex on little on a little bit of mold has gone a long way for me obviously don't use it with amphibians disclaimer yeah yeah it wasn't a lot i've, I've definitely had worse but again just yeah when it gets in the side like that man like it's it's a you're it losing battle the ends of the so the it's you know forked yeah and on the ends of those forks is where it was it had just a blue fuzz oh uh, okay i've seen it before and some other stuff and it's never been an issue where like when i found it you know, I've, I've had other green trees that were had a little more size to them that, you know, there was a couple of times where the bands that needed purchase, they had had it yeah. and it never caused any problems. It, it was pretty benign from the, from what I can tell. So it, it, it normally it's not something I worry about, but with that baby conjure being so small um, at that size, like physically those long, you know, the, the yeah. size capacity, like spores and stuff like that are not going to do it any favors. So it's just put that on pause until it gets a little more size to it and then yeah. come back to that maybe but okay Good stuff. what i would do is to like to bump humidity periodically is i, I just dump the water bowl a little bit onto the paper towel so then it right. gets really steamy in there um and that's where that that mold sort of started and stuff and just if i'm going to do that it just needs to be more of a sterile sort of setup without the rum like natural material for that to that to propagate so Good call. Good call. But you were talking about mites in the carpet earlier. Yeah. And I think a really easy solution to that would be an ivermectin solution just sprayed on the carpet. Well, I... Around a a rack or wherever you feel like you would need it. Like, that's a cheap solution. And that stuff, I mean, as as sketchy as it can be with animals and, and... going overboard with it um if you do like a diluted spray or something like that would that would be great yeah my my concern is um so billy hunt found a company online that makes the i can't remember what the hell it's called but it's the active ingredient in frontline because we don't they don't make frontline anymore um and uh i'm probably gonna want to buying they sell it in like a one liter handle jug thing um 
I'm probably going to get that dilute that a little bit, not much, but a little bit. And I want to see how fume, fumous, not fumous, not vaporous. What's the word I'm looking for? No. I want to a noxious. Thank you. I want to see how noxious it is on like a paper towel because I really do want to treat the carpets. I do. And, uh, not just because of mites, but because there could be anything growing in there. There could be mold growing in there for all I know. And I don't see it, you know, um, it's, it's, it's like a khaki colored carpet. So it's, it's even harder to see certain things, but I really want to spray the carpet in the room. Um, but I'm afraid that because it is a sealed room, an escape proof room, yeah. I don't want those fumes to, to kill stuff. Um, so I'm going to, do some experimenting with that and kind of maybe spray like one section of the carpet, leave the door open, see how bad it is and kind of go from there. The frontline stuff was weird because it, it you'd spray it and it would have like a, it smelled like it had alcohol in it. And I think it like rubbing alcohol or isopropyl, but then it also felt greasy. If that makes sense. Like it had this odd yeah. texture. Yeah. Super viscous is yeah is very odd and that was something where i definitely if i sprayed paper towels down with it or something because i usually treated the cage and not necessarily the animal yeah that's um, in the same way and i definitely would let the puppy pads or paper towel or whatever it was i was using you know air out some before i put it in the tub so i'd usually go ahead and just batch you know if i got brought home some corns or something from daytona i'd just batch a handful of you know select a sheet paper towels and then spray those you know I, I usually hold them out a decent distance and i'll one hit that covers most of it flip it around hit it again you know not a not a really hard i'm not drenching it by any means it's literally just like trying to coat it a little bit yeah um i do that with a handful of sheets and then just kind of sit them there and let them dry out a little bit and then i'd use them uh so yeah i'm uh i'm not a big fan of soaking snakes unless they really really need it uh, right. especially my arid stuff but like for the, the 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 neonate puff adders uh i've got them in 18 quart uh star not sterilite um container store tubs the gasket tubs and i have a ton of air holes strategically positioned so that you know my fingers are out of harm's way but i've got a ton of those tubs man way more than i really need so what i'll do is i'll take the baby out i'll put the puff in a empty container with a fresh clean water bowl mm -hmm. and i'll put it aside and then i'll clean out the tub i'll spray exactly like we we're talking about i'll put like a, a one good long spritz inside the tub put my paper towels down right on top of the wet front line put the decor back in there close the lid so it's kind of containing those vapors wait 20 30 minutes take the lid off wait another 20 30 minutes and then by then the the there's no smell i put my face in there it doesn't smell like yeah. alcohol or anything yeah. and i'll put the snake back but that means you have to have your animal out of its enclosure for at least an hour at least right. it's what i do so it can be tedious in that regard but if you're well, only doing it different if you're dealing with a puff adder over you know a carpet yeah that's true but but <laughs> it's not so much the 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 animal per se it's making sure that that animal is not trapped in a plastic vessel breathing that shit in you know i don't worry about the 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 frontline liquid being on the animal's body at all i worry about them just breathing in those vapors like we talked about 
I need to find. There was this paper that I had found a while back. I know the the Mike paper, dude. I, I have Mike it. You send it to me it, after the show. I'll, I'll send it back to you if you need it. I was gonna pull it up read, right now. Read over some of it. Oh yeah, gra- grab it. Thing. One of the best things. I mean, I don't. We've talked about mites before, but I don't think we've really spent a whole lot of time on it. No, and it's something that that everyone's going to deal with if they haven't already. And I really, I, I, they are a horrible, horrible thing, but we need to get over, I feel that we need to get over this stigma of bad hygiene or miscare or bad animals or bad husbands. Like that's not the case. Like we all get them. It happens. You go into a pet store, you touch a doorknob, like you could be bringing them home and not know it. Um, and I, and I, I have no problem telling people I got a couple right now. And uh, luckily, because I do my mite treatment so often and I do check all my animals on the regular, I've been much better about things nowadays than I would be in the past. Um, and now I've only got like two snakes that might ha- that nah, no pun intended might have them. Um, but what I was telling Smitty before the show is I'm finding dead mites. So I'm not seeing mites on animals. I'm seeing them in a water bowl. I'm seeing them on paper towels. So to me, that's a good sign because they clearly came from somewhere, wherever it may have been, me walking and not taking my shoes off when I came home from the pet store. Who knows? But everyone's going to get them at some point. Yeah, if you're doing this long enough, they're going to deal with them. And and honestly... At this point, I would rather deal with mites than most other like serious pathogens. Of that makes sense. Like absolutely, you deal with enough other stuff, like more serious stuff. Like mites, kind of become the the least of your worries. And yeah, I uh, like preemptively treat now anyways so when something yeah. new comes in like i'm gonna treat it if i don't see any i'm gonna treat it anyways because a yeah. it's not gonna it's not gonna take any more time to to do that than it would setting it up regularly so you know why not yeah um, agreed why am i not finding this while you look for that i'm gonna refill my beverage excuse me and I mean, they're a pain, and yes, they do, like, they can get to a point where they are a very serious problem, especially if they go unchecked. Uh, if I can find this paper, it sort of talks about it. But basically, they they, they reproduce almost exponentially. Uh, you know, you may only see one or two, but then you give them a couple days, and it's, you know, doubled or tripled, and their life cycle is really bizarre. They have think like three stages out of i think five or six where they're actually parasitic and they're not all like sequential in that way so like they have one period where they're they're parasitic and then they have another period where they're not and then another period where they are and it's it's just it's odd but Is that what it is? No. I thought I had saved it, but damn it. I haven't used predatory mites. 
Um, I believe Phil has played with them a little bit. Um, I know Nippers used them, and he seemed to have pretty good success with them. For whatever reason, it seemed like the issue was availability of those here in the States. Over in Europe, it, it sounded like they were they were easier to get a hold of, and they were, I don't know if it's a regulatory thing or what here, but I know Phil had kind of a hard time getting them, but... Uh... Oh, I missed conversation on predatory mites. Yeah, I was saying. I think you would you would try them, didn't you? Like you would. Oh, I I just I just did it. Um, oh man, what was it about a month ago? And I've I've done it two or three times in the past, but I'm afraid that. Because I have such a strict mite preventative plan as of the past year, that the predatory mites are not living long enough because they're dying from the stuff that I like frontline and stuff like that. So I've seen predatory mites on snakes that were full from eating other mites, which is good when I had a little bit of an outbreak. Um, but this most recent treatment of predatory mites I did about about a month ago, um, I didn't see anything. So either there were no mites for them to eat or frontline residue from weeks, if not months prior, had killed the predatory mites. I don't know. Maybe I got a bad batch. I don't know. But they've they've work, they work how they're supposed to, providing you don't have a massive infestation. Because I've had friends that had a massive infestation and they didn't want to use chemicals and they bought a crap load. We're talking hundreds of thousands of predatory mites. And you see these little, dare I say, jelly beans walking around the snake and they're so full from eating all of the bad mites. But they're just not, in, they're just, they're so full they can't eat anymore. So it, it, it's a balancing act. It really is. I'm really irritated. I can't find this. Oh, no. Uh, there is an article on BPI's website, though, about them. Okay. Where did I just put it? Good Lord. Go back. Uh, let's see. So there are five life stages. Egg, larva, protonymph, deutonymph, and adult. Each of the three immediate... Each of the three intermediate life stages is shed once to become the next life stage. Ideal environmental conditions for all life stages are temperatures of 75 to 85 degrees, relative humidity of 70 to 90 percent, and the average longevity is affected by relative humidity and temperature and the period of development of the nymphal stages and the length of adult life are greater at lower temperatures. The development and survivorship of all life stages of mites are negatively affected by unfavorable environmental conditions. All life stages are apparently killed by exposure to temperatures in excess of 105 degrees or below 35 degrees for periods of several days. 
they drown when they are wet, and they desiccate in levels of humidity are below 20%. At the temperatures of most snake collections, the complete life cycle of the snake mite can be completed in 13 to 19 days. At cooler temperatures, some individuals live up to 40 days. Uh, and I was talking about how they, they reproduce almost exponentially. Right here it says female mites lay one or two dozen eggs at a time and may lay 60 to 80 eggs in their life. The eggs adhere to the surfaces which they are laid. Eggs are rarely laid on the snake hosts of the adult mites. They are usually laid somewhere in the enclosure, sometimes high in the cage. Whenever possible, female mites choose to lay eggs in dark, humid places. Mite eggs may be laid on the bodies of large snakes, particularly boas and pythons, usually in the space around the eye or under the anal scale. Uh, eggs hatch in one day in ideal conditions, and at cooler temperatures, they may take up to four days to hatch. So basically, that was something the paper talked about. Um, was mites like it dark and they like it humid. So if you're keeping in like tanks, you know how aquariums have that black rim. Um, like they can they can climb, you know, they, they get right up in those corners and stuff of those tanks. Um, underwater bowls, under hides, basically... If it's if it's dark and, and and humid, that's probably where they they're likely to hang out. So eliminating that as as much as possible is going to help you. Um, and like I was telling Phil, it's one of those things where typically if I see them, I treat that animal every like four to five days. I I do a fresh like complete bedding like paper towel change. Um, and if I, if I have to, I'll even swap out to a different, different tub entirely and yeah, you know, either throw away the other one or bleach it or whatever. But, um, if you kill them and you're, you know, you're, you're doing a good job of getting rid of them and you're finding dead ones and whatever, like I was telling Phil sort of before we started recording or going live, when you don't see them, people will have a tendency to sort of start laxing on, on treatment. Cause they're like, okay, they're oh, gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. I keep going with treatment, even if I'm not seeing any for a solid two weeks. Yeah. Just like, you don't take your foot off the gas. Like that's when you, you think they're gone and they're not. Um, so just because you're not seeing them doesn't mean they're not still there doing their thing. Uh, again, I don't, typically treat the animal directly with whatever I may be using. I usually just do the paper towel or whatever I'm keeping them on, which if I find mites, they're automatically being taken off of whatever bedding they might be on particulate and they'll be put on paper towel. Um, and then if I do multiple layers of that paper towel, which typically I will do, I'll do two or three sheets. Um, each one of those sheets gets, gets sprayed, let it dry out, put it in that tub, put the animal in there Usually I won't put the water bowl in immediately either. I'll, I'll leave the water bowl out for a few hours to a day before I put it in there. Just so those fumes and stuff, you know, don't, don't get into the water. I mean, I've never really had any issues there, but it, I'm sure it's, it's poison basically. I mean, you're, you're putting yeah. something in there that's, that's meant yeah. to, to knock out those little things. And it's probably not good for them to be, be ingesting that. Um, again, not any issues that I've, I've had, but 
you just don't want to stop if you're if you're not seeing them you can't just assume they're all you know you're free and clear like they're yeah they come back with a vengeance and then i was saying while you were gone phil like if they go unchecked man if they get out of out of hand it's yeah it's bad it's a pain but if you can get ahead of them and you can you can beat them to the punch they're they're easily managed they're really not that big of a deal if you can you know as long as you catch them yeah a thousand percent i'll also say this too is if you have a snake that has mites and oh sorry about the dog guys um if you have a snake that has mites it needs to be hydrated because hold on let me deal with this wiener dog And I was talking about mites being sort of the least of my my worries in comparison to like crypto and things like that. Um, but mites can also be vectors for other pathogens if you're having mites that are going and spreading into other other tubs and cages that you have other snakes in. So there is is concern there. But again, if you're getting in new stuff, you know, everyone preaches quarantine. I'm all about quarantine. Um Treat them if you're not seeing them, even if something comes in. Like, I, I think I've even gotten snakes from like Chris, and I still treat them just in case. Yeah. You know? exactly. it's, just, it's like, again, doing it, assuming they're there, even if they're not, is much easier to deal with than moving them into your room after. A certain period of time and then it's like oh wait i have mites and then you start looking in the other tubs and stuff and it's like they have mites too and once you have that where you have to do like complete collection sort of cleansing oh yeah that's when it's a real pain in the ass that's when yeah, it sucks for sure you only have to do that once to never want to have to do it again yeah yeah and uh as i was saying before someone said p call um the Anytime you see an animal that has mites, even if it has two mites on it, right? One mite on it, soak that soak that animal in a container that has a centimeter of water, two centimeters of water, right? Because these are parasites. They're external parasites that are drinking the blood, the nutrients, the life force of your snake. So that snake is going to be depleted of nutrients. It's going to be dehydrated. It's almost guaranteed. And it's very, very common for snakes to immediately start gulping water. Now, some snakes will be apprehensive. They may be resistant to you putting them in that water. I have literally taken a snake and put its face in the water bowl and held it there for a second until it realized, oh, wait, this is water. I should drink this. And it immediately starts gulping down water because of the mites that it had on it. And the cool thing about soaking it is, too, is Mites are so small and so frail and fragile that a lot of them, they'll jump ship, right? They'll fall off the animal. So just putting the the snake in a container of, of a centimeter or two of water may actually take a bunch of the mites off the animal. And then when you remove that animal from the water, those mites typically stay in the water. So that can be an, an, an additive to your prevention or your, your cure, if you will. Um, but the biggest thing I've seen is people that don't allow the snake to get a big drink or to get rehydrated before they spray or they add their powder or whatever treatment they decided to use and that stuff gets in the water or it gets in their face and they have a diluted soapy solution that they spray on the animal it's liquid the snake is going to naturally drink it 
and now they're drinking the poison. So I always like to soak the snake, let it get a big drink, take it out, let it relax in, in a, a non-wet environment, then do my treatment if I am. Yeah, and, and it's going to vary depending on, on sort of what species you're dealing with too because, I mean, the likelihood of you having issues with snake bites in like your Serastes probably really, 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 really. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't even think about it. So um, things that are much more temperate to subtropical to tropical, you know, again, if it's humid and it's warm, mites are going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, they are easy to kill. That is kind of the nice thing is, is, Yes, they can get out of hand, but once you can get them sort of roped in and under control, it's pretty easy to manage from from that point. It's just a matter of assessing how bad, like if especially if you've had like a serious outbreak in your room. Um, if it's if it's real bad, that's when it it gets tough because if you're finding them in multiple tubs and multiple snakes then it's pretty safe to assume that they're they're in just about every tub yeah. you have. So that's when you have to unfortunately treat everything and then treat everything again five days later and continue to do that for, you know, six to eight weeks. It's a pain. So you save yourself that, that frustration by just going ahead and treating things when they come in. Whether you see them or not, just handle it. Doesn't hurt the snake. Agreed. You know, I've never had any issues. The only thing I've had issues with is ivermectin solutions. That's I've that stuff is gnarly. Like as a anti-parasitic, like topical solution, that stuff works like a million bucks. But that stuff is also very easy to overdo, and at that's why I don't really recommend it anymore. Um, at this point, really, I'll only use it if I absolutely have to, if I don't have any other choice. Because um, even with the, the dilution, um, you know, you don't use ivermectin with, with turtles and tortoises because it, it, it will kill them. Um, even with smaller snakes, I had, there was one, one Baird's in particular, I treated with an ivermectin solution, and that snake... Uh, it paralyzed them for a solid 24 hours snake made a full recovery. I still have that animal. It's, it does great. Like I don't have any problems, but I was sure that thing was a goner man. Cause once that stuff crosses that blood brain barrier, it just, it causes all kinds of weird neurological problems. Um, and again, it's, it's fatal to, to turtles and tortoises, but that's why I like the frontline spray and those, those flea and, and stuff sprays. Cause those seem to be much more less concerning in that regard. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, I mean, ivermectin works great. Like that stuff's like the freaking napalm of of yeah of drugs as far as killing things. Um, but it's it's very easy to to do it too much, overdo it. And hello, Ipers, our friends from down under. Fipronil is a better ingredient. And that, that's what's in most of those flea sprays, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 Um, 
because I remember last time I looked for that uh, frontline spray, I couldn't find it. And then I started, I went and looked up the active, like the ingredients of right. the frontline. And I did find an alternative on Amazon, but now it seems that that alternative on Amazon is no longer available. I'm just assuming people are ditching the sprays for cats and dogs because the pills are just so much easier to deal with. Oh, chewables now, man. That Dude, the, the dog chewables, it's, that's what I use. It's fantastic. Because if you're dealing with a spray, you've ever had to deal with flea oil. You know, you put flea oil on a, on a cat or a dog. Like, you then can't, like, you have to be careful of where you're petting them because that stuff will get on your hand. And it's all greasy and it smells horrible. And then it gets all over the furniture. So I think yeah. that's that's one of the reasons people are moving away from the sprays. And these companies are just, they're getting rid of them because they're just, no one's buying them. It's not, you know, there's so many, there's other easy ways to handle that stuff than, than the sprays. So I can understand why companies would be ditching them but sucks for us yeah here 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 oh man <clears throat> but on a lighter note my one of my little nuggets shed today and it's crazy how different they look from the adults but look at this adorable little girl oh yeah Look at that crazy look the, the, the it's almost like I don't say wishbones, you like know ribs. Like ribs, yeah. Yeah, like rib bones. And I love the the, the black that's on that animal. I can't mm. wait to see what she turns into. But it's the little things, man. When you get those shed pictures, it just makes it all the better, you know? Look at that head pattern. Oh, so that reminds me something sort of interesting to discuss and maybe Iper could speak to this. Um, I was talking to Tony Mills, who I used to work for here locally. Um, he's a naturalist and he, he, he's in the snakes and he breeds corns and Eastern Kings. And um, he has this, these breeding adults uh, that he, he breeds and then he re-releases in the areas that the adults were collected. He releases the, the offspring Nice. And then he sort of keeps track, at least of the Eastern Kings. He takes detailed pictures of the head stamps of all the all the baby Eastern Kings. Very and that's cool. That's how he's able to track who's who because that that head pattern doesn't change. Like yeah, that pattern stays the same their entire life. Um, and we were talking about he found one of the 2022 babies that he hatched and released. He's found that I think he said nine times. Wow not tracking it like it's pit tag now he said but he's not like radio tracking it or anything this is him just in this area that he that he releases these things he's like he said it's roughly like a 300 meter plot um you know he's got tin and stuff out there so he's been flipping tin and he's found the snake nine times and he said he weighs it he doesn't weigh it every time but he's weighed it a handful of times and he said the last time he weighed it it's a 2022 mind you 300 grams wow in the wild Wow. Man, we have so much so, to learn. That's what you know we me really and him do. were talking about it briefly because it was then, you know, I've always been of the opinion that that animals are older than we think they are because you know, naturally I I would think they would be smaller in the wild than and grow slower in the wild than they would in captivity because they're, you know, food such an in irregularity for them. Right. Um but now it makes me wonder if you have an animal that's a year and a half old and 300 grams, 
you know, maybe that's not the case. And I mean, surely there's exceptions to that rule. And maybe this animal just happened to be in the right place at the right time. A lot of broadheaded skinks and stuff. Um, you know, what are, what's it eating? Is it eating a, like a big variety of things? I mean, king snakes are pretty opportunistic. I don't think they really turn down anything if they can fit in their gullet. Especially Easterns. Um, and I don't, I think he's weighed some of the other ones he's found too. And none, they know none of them were, were that high up, but he's just, it got the gears turning for him about, about that. And he also mentioned, he's really starting to wonder if like, there's a level of thermoregulation in the wild that I, I think we will not be able to, we will never be able to fully replicate in captivity. Agreed. And that's mostly not, not without a lot of space well, and that's time. The thing, and money. Is there's a spatial aspect to that where yeah. like if you have more space, you know, the cover, like the, the cover that's available matters because the way tin heats up is going to be different than the way, you know, shrubbery and grasses are going to heat up on the surface. Um, you know, he, he's wondering if basically these animals do grow more consistently or faster in the wild than we think they do because they're able to so much more efficiently and in a more fine-tuned manner thermoregulate to process food to where maybe they're getting more out of each meal instead of sort of how we keep them in captivity, especially if you're keeping them hot, you know, they're getting food and it's just, it's going right through them. Like they're, they're burning yeah. through it. They're, they're, yeah. It seems like, you know, you feed them and then two days later they're, you know, they're, you got something to clean up. Um, you know, is that the case in the wild where they're able to in a lot more with more precision, I guess is probably the, the word or accuracy thermoregulate to the exact spot that, that works for their body to, to process these things faster sure um, you know or so not I, even faster appropriately what's scott saying muscle weighs more than fat and if there is a good reason a good season they are not going to pass a meal yeah no that's for sure you have a thermal mosaic it's amazing to walk around the bush with a thermal camera sites that visuals seem identical or not yeah yeah that's something i really wanted to do with with chondros in particular like especially females if you have them on eggs like take one of those infrared cameras and see what that's looking like and even in your room just as is seeing what the animals look like you know yeah. as far as that uh i don't know it'd be it'd be cool well it is interesting because cold-blooded creatures don't show up on thermal um unless they're actively basking or they're beehive incubate incubating or uh, they're, what's the word I'm looking for? Ge generating heat in any kind of way. May maybe it'd be an undulation like a saw scale viper or an African egg eater, something like that. When there's friction being caused, they, they do. But we had a bunch of people, because we have the python hunters in South Florida. And uh, back in the day, when, when FLIR first became like a household name, so to speak, they would come in the pet shop and they would try and look at snakes with their thermal camera. And they learned real quick that if it's hiding behind a bush, you can't see it. If it's hiding behind glass, you can't see it. And uh, only the snakes that were under the heat lamp were actually showing on the thermal. And uh, I talked to a couple other friends that have 
found pythons in the Everglades using thermal, and it just doesn't look like what you'd expect it to. And you have to really, really know what you're looking for because even when you have the the full color spectrum, like the Predator movies, you know, the snake is just a little blue line. Like there's just no there's there's no orange, there's no red. It's just it's just not there. So may, maybe it's different in arid species, but in the Everglades, looking for pythons, uh, I know a lot of guys have spent a lot of money on some high end cameras and they came up empty handed. So Scott's telling me that they do show up. I I, I want to see this. I'm not doubting it. I, I just I what is, very what envir- I think it's very environmental based in that regard. Um, very biome based. But uh and now we have we have FLIR cameras that plug into the bottom of your iPhone, which I think is crazy. I think it's like 300 bucks, and you can get a thermal imaging camera that snaps onto the bottom of your iPhone. And I know a lot of contractors like plumbers and air conditioning guys, they use them. I bet you Scott's got one um, to kind of see where leaks are in pipes or if there's hot spots in electrical. Um, and I think that that technology is amazing. So if we applied it in any regard, even in our, even in our own captive husbandry, I think it'd be more than beneficial. Um, man, there was something I was going to say on this topic and now I lost it. Damn it. Damn. Oh, the head stampings. So, so he's cataloging Eastern Chain King head markings, head patterning, right? Yeah. I remember seeing back when I was in my youth a documentary on whales, right? And we all know that, well, most animal people know that, you know, like humpback whale fluke fins, tail fins, have a very unique pattern, much like a fingerprint. And I know that there are several scientists that have a massive database of these fluke patterns associated to that individual animal's serial number or name or whatever it is. And you can even go onto online and find these websites. And if you took a picture on a whale watching trip, you can upload your photo. The software will scan the tail picture and tell you what whale that is, if it's known to science or not. Now, for those of you who know me, I am a super nerd and I am a bit of a coin collector. And there are several new apps on your smartphone where let's say I get a coin from India. I found it in my change drawer at work, right? And I have no idea how it got there. I don't know what language it is because it's in another language, it's not English. I can take a picture of the coin on my phone. The app will scan it. And using a massive worldwide database of every known coin to humanity, it'll tell me what they think it is. And it'll give me like two or three options. I want to see someone do that with herpetoculture. I want to see someone take that app technology and apply it to carpet python head patterns, king snake head patterns. I think it'd be, it would be kind of difficult on something like a Gaboon Viper that for the most part, they're all the same. Um, or a blood python, very, very similar in those regards, but something like a Florida king or an eastern chain king, or yeah, I think a, you'd or have, a puff adder. I feel like an issue you'd have an iNaturalist sort of scenario there, though, where people are you know gonna have individual animals that maybe stand out and are, are something different, and people are gonna be on the hunt for them trying to collect them. Yeah, but I'm not saying in terms of a genetic trait 
or something that's more desirable or more rare or more unique. I'm looking at it more so for cataloging animals that are seen in the wild, like the humpback whales, where we don't have to put a pit tag in them. You know what I mean? And even if you're not putting the location of the animal, you can still put other data. Like this animal was observed at eight in the morning on a Tuesday in November. And this is animal ABC one, two, three. Wow. Two other herpers have found this animal. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And think things in that regard. I feel like that'd be really cool. Yeah. And Scott's saying it's already being used in pattern recognition studies. And I think that's awesome. I think that's fantastic, but I feel like it's kind of like, I would almost want to see those pattern recognition studies be expanded on to the hobbyist world or the layman's world where it's not just people in a lab or people in a college or a university. It's like frog watch where the scientists have given civilians all the frog calls and everyone's just sharing the data, you know? Um, Scott says, I've been involved in trying to produce identification AI systems. The algorithms are too vague at the moment. And, and I could see that I could, I feel like AI could, could probably help that out a lot, but I feel like it almost needs to just be a basic system where the pattern is highlighted like the whale fluke. And then that that pattern is associated with a name or a number and stored. And I mean, how, what do I know? I don't know anything. I'm just a goofball plays with snakes. I do think there there is something to that that thermoregulation sort of precision aspect, though. Yeah, and in keeping things you know, how we're keeping things currently, even though I do think the overall, the trend of, of how we're keeping a lot of, a lot of species, you know, people seem to be keeping things cooler than they used to for sure. And a uh, question about the coin app. Uh, it's called coin snap, I think. Yeah. Coin snap one word. And there, and there's several different ones in, in the, in coins and coin collecting, there's several different ones that do that. I use that one just because it's free and it's fairly easy and providing that the coin isn't too messed up. It will give you several options to choose from. And, and you're clearly looking at this, the, the, the article in front of you, you can make an educated decision. So coin snap. I have a gold nickel. Is that a thing? Uh, yes and no. Someone so, gave me a gold nickel the other day. So you have a gold five dollar. Is it is it old like nineteen oh five? Brand spanking new. Oh, so it's probably just it's probably plated in something. I don't know. It's in my cup holder in my car with all my send, other change. Send me a picture later. Someone gave it to me. So I don't remember where I was. It was at the grocery store or something. This lady was like, "You can have the gold nickel." I was like, "Okay." I'm uh, I'm forwarding you some pictures that Scott sent me about thermal with snakes, and 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 I I totally see what Scott's saying about them showing up on camera. They most definitely show up on camera, um, but it's very very different when you're looking at them in captivity, or even if you've seen that you see the animal in the in the wild and you're looking at it in the wild, but finding them 
in the bush with the thermal is super hard. Yeah, I mean, the, the use for those, I think, would be almost entirely environmental, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see here. Give me a second to download them. Please. Oh. Ryan Cox says that we are riding in his cup holder. Love that guy. Riding shotgun. Riding center console. God, Facebook is like a sloth these days. It it really is, man. It's Back in my so day. molasses. Those and all the spam messages about your page being in violation of something. Yeah, right. You've been getting those? I've been getting those a lot. Well, I've been getting uh, phone calls from unknown numbers trying to scam me. And uh, I've been kind of paranoid about it is, I guess now, one of the things that the scammers are doing is they're getting you to have a slight conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, so they can record your voice, yeah, put, put it yeah, put into AI, and then use your voice to change passwords or account numbers or whatever. So I've been answering the phone in all kinds of funny accents at work on my cell phone just because... And if I don't hear anyone reply, then I just hang up. Yeah, I mess with them at this point when they call work. So I'm like, you're going to waste my time. I'm at least going to enjoy yeah. it. And did you hear about this new gift card scam that they're doing this year? No. So I guess, you know how you go to Walgreens or CVS or Walmart and they have like that, that rack of gift cards for yeah. everything from Amazon to Chipotle and Chick-fil-A and whatever. Chili's. Um, Chili's, yeah. So you know how it comes inside of like a cardboard envelope? Mm -hmm. So what the bad guys are doing is they go into CVS and they steal a whole handful of Amazon gift cards. They take them home. They use a steamer to peel open the cardboard gently. They take the card out. They cut off the account numbers, but they leave the barcode. And they cut it with like a, a an actual paper cutter, so it's nice and straight and perfectly mm -hmm. crisp. They put the card back in, they re-glue it shut, sneak back into the store, and hang it back on the peg they stole it from. And then when you go to the counter and they scan the barcode and you pay for your you know fifty dollar gift card, Walgreens gets their gets their fifty bucks. The money goes onto the card, and then the bad guys have the clippings of the numbers at home, and they just steal the numbers. Mm. So you're supposed to, when you buy a gift card now, you're supposed to open it at the counter before you pay for it. So anyone listening, there's your holiday tip for the season. So, I, so here like we have a picture of Nessie. Yes, I was just about to say Loch Ness Monster. That's the Celsius crap, man. We're in America. I know, right? I love how Milwaukee's in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> What is 19.2 degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit? Hold on, let me pull out the converter because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not 19... even going to pretend like I can do that in my head. Nine... Whoa, not 7,000 degrees. Jesus. 19.2. That's 66 degrees Fahrenheit. 
So I don't know. <clears throat> I guess that 19.2 is like maybe the median temperature. No, that can't be. Well, if you look at the yeah the color on the bottom, I imagine that's what you were looking at. So that that yeah, I guess what's like what is this nineteen point two pertaining to? Uh, it's pertaining to the crosshairs in the middle. What what it's what it's but actually it, looking at? It's it's here, right? So nineteen point two is going to be right here somewhere, I guess. And Scott says that that is a sleeping parenti. Uh, Loch Ness monster. Very interesting. Go, show one of the snake pictures. I'm trying. The context. That same same animal. Okay. Snoozing. Look at that little guy. <laughs> Look at that big guy. There's no way to just simply change between windows. This is irritating. Thank you, StreamYard. Uh, let's see here. All right. Is it up? Oh, it's up. It's a coiled python of some sort. So 31 is closer to the 80s, if yep. I'm not mistaken. If not in the 80s. Yeah, 31.1 is 87.9. Toasty. Toasty. I'm assuming so it, that's, that's a snake wrapped around eggs. I, I was going to say so. Oh, it, Scott says it's a mulga. Oh, it's a mulga. Wow. I thought it was a hurricane and we were looking at the Doppler radar. <laughs> yeah. Which and this is crazy because I mean clearly Scott's pr proving me wrong. Uh, I've I've seen I've seen snakes on thermal out in the glades and it doesn't look anything like this and I'm wondering if it has something to do with captivity. Because Oh, is it more like heat retention than anything it, else? Yeah, it, it very well may be. So like you see the green that's on that screen right now? Yep. That's what the snake would look like. It would be like that faint bluish green. And then if there was any kind of grass or foliage or anything in front of the snake, that was jet black or dark blue. So it was very, very hard to, to spot them while scoping things out. Once you found it and you knew what you were looking at, okay, it was there. But it, no snake that I've seen in the wild on thermal was red hot like that. He says the red spots are the heat pad. This is okay. an amoeba of some sort. So wait, so these animals, they're sitting on a heating pad, which is why they're still warm. Very interesting. I wonder if that's, if you turn the heat pad off for a whole day and you looked at that animal, if it would be nearly as warm. Yeah, I want one of these little cameras, man, but they're like 250 bucks and I just... Well, that's what I was saying. You can get the the the, the, the the Fleer iPhone thing. It's like two eighty two ninety. It doesn't. I don't think it has to be an iPhone. I think and it's at that iPhone. point, I'm just gonna buy the actual like thermal gun over the phone thing if they're the same price practically. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But it'd be a good tool to have, like out herping and stuff. That's coastal Taipan with heat reflection. 
Very cool. Very, very cool. And then... Let's see what this is. This just looks like a avant-garde painting. Scott said it was sitting on the heat, moved into the hide box off heat. Okay. So whatever that is, it's warm. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we're supposed to find like the ghost in this picture. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Yeah, it's super hard to see. Kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah, right. Looking for chupacabras and the lizard people. Waiting for a set of eyes to be looking back at me. This reminds me, I saw a meme today. I guess some guy uh, photoshopped Waldo out of the Where's Waldo photo and gave it to his kids. <laughs> I thought that was horrible. Oh, so they were looking for it and he wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. Fucked up. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. So many things we, so many we things. have yet to learn. Well, speaking of heating in this time of year, how is your heater? Uh, it's been good. Um, so it's actually cold here tonight. It's supposed to get into like the 30s. Wow. Um, and the house has been cooler. So like nights like tonight where the room does get pretty chilly, uh, I'll go ahead and cut that heater. But I put it on low because we end up cutting on the heater. And then by morning I walk in and it's it's pretty warm in there um so now i just kind of set it to where it'll work with when we have the heat on in the house it'll kind of work with that to yeah get the temp up but well i just checked my iphone it is officially 60 degrees fahrenheit yeah it's like easily gotta it's gotta be in like the upper 40s right now What's, what's Scott saying? 16.1. Uh, Yellow bottom left is a python curled up, retaining heat from basking all day. Go back to pictures and... Okay. Do you have that photo? Go back to pictures. That was one. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, Scott's saying that how they can conserve heat. He said the that spot of yellow in the bottom <clears throat> left corner is a python curled up retaining heat from basking all day. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. That's super hot. That's hot. That's hot. It's totally hot. Hawk said, do you think it really matters that much, the heat fluctuation that is? Well, I don't know if it matters that much, but it's interesting to observe. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to observe. 
I just since I I had also just fed some stuff, so I you know to save myself the frustration of things regurging because it did get too cool. You know, I have that I kick that heater on just to to keep it sort of above zero, in a sense. You know, because I don't want my Leonis and some of those small corns to regurge. You know, the the condors I really don't worry about with the cooler temperatures. They seem to really not care. Um, and I, you know, the combo. Yeah, the, oh, Jesus, condors are kept at whatever the room is. You know, they don't have any any heat uh, added or turned on. They're whatever the room is is what they get, and they they do great. I don't have any issues. But again, I think overall, at least in a, in American herpetoculture, there is a trend. I think now that people are, are just keeping their stuff overall on the cooler side now, and you know the yeah. days of, of eighty eight degree hot spots for for things like corns and whatnot are kind of kind of gone. You know? Oh yeah, oh for sure, for sure. I mean, barring obviously your desert species or stuff that require high high heat um you know i just i don't see any reason to keep really most species above you know a hot spot of like maybe 85 even 85 seems a little a little high for me for my for my liking um because you also have to take into consideration and i mean i granted this is for me in my area of the country um up north and out west it may be a very different different thing but you know, if I have heat, like tape and stuff plugged in, like racks plugged in and whatnot, um, if you're coupling that with a, a having the heat on in the house, uh, plus if that heater's on in the room, you know, that hotspot goes from being, you know, 85 to now all of a sudden it's like closer to those upper 80s on the hot end of, of those setups. And I just don't. I don't see a need to, to keep stuff that warm. So, yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm I'm trying to maintain a desert room, but I'm realizing that if the room is 87 ambient, I can't get the night drop that I want ideally. So, if I want the night drop to be in the low 70s, I can't really have the room break 84, 85 because there won't be enough time throughout the evening to, to drop up right to drop appropriately. And I was also messing with the ceiling fan because although I do enjoy the ceiling fan for air circulation, because the room does get a little, I don't want to say stagnant, but the door shut all the time. You know what I mean? Um, the, the fan definitely helps drop it at least a degree at night, maybe two degrees at night, which doesn't seem like much, but it could, it could be the, the, the scale tipper, into you know the low 70s so to speak yeah yeah i keep mine on um a lot of the time too just to help pull that war because i reverse it you know I, I reverse the blades um because i wanted to pull that that warmer air up from the heater and sort of disperse it around the room um just so everything's you know getting it it's not just sort of low lying and not not getting where it needs to be uh you know, everyone's getting a piece of the action in a way, but Scott said the broader the thermo mosaic, the better the snake will choose what is what it wants. Almost all species are not thermo conforming. 
Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like as time goes on, I come to find that a lot of species, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're comfortable, they're comfortable. You know, barring people that are like anemic and yeah, have the heat on in a 90 degree day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it just seems to be a smoother ride. Yeah, well, even talking stuff like the Cerastes. So like at my old place, you know, they... Uh, the hot spot was the hot side of the tub was a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. The cool side was like 85, 86 and they sat on the hot side. They loved it. And then at night they were all over the place. And at night they would probably, I would say almost 70, 80% of the time be laying on the cool side of the tub at night, hoping that some mammalian creature would run by. Now, because of the room the way i have it now i haven't had that 100 degree hot side because it would it would raise the room temperature way too yeah, much yeah. It, it's just it would be just too much for this room so right now their hot side is probably 85 the cool side's probably 80 and they're literally sitting in the middle mm -hmm. they're just they're just chilling splitting the difference yeah splitting the difference so yeah it's it there's just so many variables and factors when it comes to that you know it's literally going to be different for every every single person depending on the species you're keeping because again like yeah. environmental factors as far as where you are in the country your room your ac your heater if you have one in the room how that's set up your you know it, it, and then based on like the animals individually the species um i've talked about operational temperatures in, in certain species and a lot of species, you know, there's like, yeah, you can keep chondros and, um, you know, give them 86 degree, 88 degree hotspots, but it's like, they're not operating in those temperatures. They're not active in those temperatures. You know, the hottest part of the, part of the day, like they're not doing anything. They're, they're sitting, they're staying still when it cools off is when they start operating and they start doing things. And that's the, the case with a lot of species is there's there's the temperatures that that they experience and then there's the temperatures that they're actually active and those are those are different things same thing like with the serastes like 100 degrees those triple digit days i highly doubt they're doing anything but that well, night drop rolls around and that's when they come alive yeah and i find it interesting that the the 100 degrees during the day they had the opportunity to leave that temperature and they didn't, they sat in it. They just baked in it. And then at night when it got cold, they went even colder. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that, that always fa was fascinating to me. Um, so I, I obviously have an iPhone and as we've said 46 times tonight. So I try to keep a wide assortment of weather stations in my iPhone weather app from around the world of the animals I'm keeping. And obviously this isn't exact because it's probably on top of some skyscraper where it's right. warmer or, or colder or what have you, but it gives me a, a broad idea of what's what. So for example, I'm pretty sure that my fields vipers are most likely Western or Southwestern Sinai locality, just by looking at the color patterns and whatnot. So there's a weather station uh, called Ovda Airport, which is literally just a friggin' airport. I don't even know. I guess it's like 
I guess it's an Egyptian government airport that allows people to refuel or maintenance or whatever. Because from what I gather, there's really not a lot of traffic there, so to speak. But today, and this is Egypt in the desert of the Sinai, right? Today, it was, it's 50 degrees right now at night. It's, uh, what time is it there? Oh, it doesn't have the time of day. Yeah, it doesn't have the time. Crazy early in the morning, right? Uh, so it's uh, it's nine hours ahead. Okay, so yeah, um, it's fifty degrees at night and sixty nine during the day. But back in September, it was like a hundred and two, but sixty five at night. Mm-hmm. It's like major temp swings. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild, and and the humidity right now is 73 which is also surprising because which is also surprising i mean it's still winter you know it's cooler cool mm-hmm. weather is going to bring in more humidity but yeah in the middle of the desert it's 73 percent right now and uh let me see if i can get the my world clock hold on valentine wants to know how deep the sand is that you're using the serastis not deep enough. I would love to give them a solid at least eight to twelve inches of substrate. The the containers aren't big enough. They're just they're just not. It would there wouldn't be enough area for the animal. Um I can't remember who sent it to me. I want to say it was Doc Wyman. Somebody sent me recently, or it, you know, it may have been Tyler. Connixus Tyler. Um he sent me a video of a Serastes at a zoo where they had like a solid foot of substrate and it was shovel nose digging in like the corner of the enclosure. So I'd love to give them more substrate to get those observations. Um, I'm sure they would love it and have enrichment properties and everything else. But right now they got about four inches. So see, and that's, that would be interesting to me in terms of like that species would be a, a good subject to to sort of look at in terms of like microclimates and stuff like yeah you're dealing with triple digits uh you know on the surface but how far down are they are they sort of sinking themselves are they doing it at an angle to where their their lower part of their body is experiencing cooler temperatures because it's deeper into the sand um you know but the uv exposure to that degree um you know, there's been talk of like cryptic basking where you'll notice like some lizards and snakes will just have a part of their body hidden, hanging yeah. out in the UV. One loop. Um, you know, I feel like Serastes would be a pretty interesting case study in that regard to see. Yeah. Utilization of microclimates, especially when you're dealing with an environment where they're, they're really, I mean, I guess you're only dealing with one and that's pretty much below the surface of the sand. Yeah. And it depends on how, how deep, in the sand you're gonna go so they never they don't seem like they get very far in there like it always they seems don't. like they're very surface level yeah it is but just covering enough but that's still it, a decent it, barrier if, if the sand itself is a hundred degrees on the surface it may be 98 a half an inch below right but it doesn't matter if the sand is 98 degrees fahrenheit as long as their body can you guys hear that plane no Oh man, that's the loudest plane I've had ever. Sorry about that. Um, it doesn't matter how far, how warm their body is, as long as their body's covered in sand. Because I feel like 
the temperature isn't necessarily the problem in that scenario. It's the UV radiation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of um, Gasparetti, mm-hmm. um, an, another Serastes yep. horned viper species, for those listening, um, the Gasparetti are typically not found buried. They're found in shade of thorn bushes and desert fauna. So they'll be cryptic basking like Justin was talking about, but they almost don't have to because the small patches of light that gets through yeah, that the, the leaf, yeah, the, the, through the leaves and the th- of the thorn bush is giving them just enough radiation and just enough warmth. That's something I want to read about too a little more is, is if they only have to have a small amount of their body exposed to that, like what percentage of, of that surface area that's exposed, you know, how much of that is metabolizing and getting the, you know, the, the D3 and things out of that. Yeah. You know, cause clearly they don't have to be fully exposed to, to be able to get the benefits of it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, is it, is it a case of like, they'll expose more for shorter periods of time or less for longer periods of time? Like what is the, basically the minimum, amount like surface area that they need to be able to for their their body to take that and run with it yeah you know, in in both temperature and radiation because if they they may only need a single loop out for say an hour to warm what they need to warm but they may that one loop may not be enough radiation to give them what they want in that regard yeah, Scott said it depends on the blood flow through the tissue, which raises another question of are they typically going to expose parts of the body that are closer to the heart as a result of that? Because yeah, that blood would, in theory, pump through the body. Warming the it. Exposed blood yeah. that's, that's metabolizing and dispersing that, that D3 and stuff through the tissues. I don't know. I'm probably sounding like a no. It makes sense. Jackass, but... No, it's it's a it's a valid question for a for a very very cool topic. Um, and then I think about like my fields vipers that never bury themselves, and they are always sitting on top of something, mm-hmm. but they have no lights and no heating element at all. They're just. But animal. are those occupying the same space like environment that? that your Serastis they, are, or are they more like a rocky outcropping kind of... They are more of a rocky outcropping, yeah. but if you have a foothill that, or, or not even a foothill, a bluff, if you have a, a, a terrain bluff that is 100 feet above the, the rest of the earth, right? The rest of the ground around it, their Serastis may be in that sandy, rocky soil, and the fields vipers may be up the rocks a little bit, but I would be shocked if they didn't cohabitate at some point. Yeah, but you're not. I'm saying you're not going to find fields vipers buried in in areas of that are nothing but sand, like you would. No, correct, Serastis. Correct. Yeah, 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 correct. So let's see. They can increase blood flow through parts this is a throwback to before the archosaur split in the triassic yeah i don't i just i wonder if if they studied that if they noticed that when they do expose parts of their body if it is closer to the the heart and things like that for the sake of of being able to 
disperse that. Yeah. Through the body faster. Because if you're yeah. just like, if say, if they're just exposing a part of their tail, like say that, you know, a coil in the last third of the body, I would think that that would then they'd have to expose that longer in order to get the dispersal of like for that to kind of that, that whole system and, and operation like biological function to kind of kick into gear and do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, if it's closer more to the, the heart and sort of the cardiovascular main like hub. Yeah. The hub, uh, you know, if it, that would be more efficient and then they wouldn't have to be exposed for as long. Yeah. And then thinking about the time it takes for, a full circulation of blood to go from the heart to the, I don't know, they don't have extremities, but you know what I mean? To yeah, the, to yeah. the part of the animal and then back how much temperature deviates in the, like, like if the blood is pumped out of the heart at say 80 degrees, right? By the time it gets to the snake's tip of his tail and then back to the heart, is it still 80 degrees? Obviously, we're we're speaking in generalities, but mm-hmm. we're trying hard to sound smart, people. We're, we're giving it a college try. See, I feel like with crocodilians, though, it's different because they have all the platelets and stuff on the back that are built to literally act as solar panels and and utilize that yeah. energy that's that's brought in to disperse that through the body. I feel like with snakes and lizards, it's a little different, but again, it, 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 it may not be wrong. Hypers light years smarter than. Than I so it, it may be a, a, a simple scale thing too. And I don't mean scale like scales. I meant what's that? So this is a house of learning doctors. Yeah, right. I smoke weed with Johnny Hopkins. Um it may not it may be a, a, a case of scale, and I don't mean scales like on their skin, I meant like size scale, right? Mm-hmm. So the alligator, the the uh uh the surface area of a gator's bag is is relative to the surface area of an alligator lizard right and they both have scoots to a certain degree you know what i mean yeah i don't I remember the um that book on on crocodilians that we had the author on thp um tears for crocodilia i think is what it was what it was called i think he mentions he talks about either that or i don't remember where it was i read something that talked about those the the plates on the back of of alligators that and how they do a lot more than just offer you know protection and stuff but like they literally are like just powerhouses and solar panel basically for that that animal and they do a lot you know there's there's way more to them than than what you think but more recently the thermal camera footage of heat hitting the basking head of a lizard you can see the whole lizard warm oh there you go yeah, but is that a, again like how long was that lizard basking before they shot that? Like if they had just seen, like if it had just come out and started basking, would you see the same thing that you had seen? In yeah, that footage. Yeah. I don't know. I like I like chewing the fat on this stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's interesting to think about. Very, very interesting. Just you know that and the the whole uh, thermoregulation thing and. How much more effective is it in the wild versus what we do in captivity? Yeah. We didn't even get to talk about gestation and, and egg development. That's mm-hmm. a whole that's a whole other thing with in, in the same 
topic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did think about that too. Like if this, if this female green tree goes like, do I want to try maternal? Um, do I want to do artificial? And I've kind of gone back and forth on a little bit. And, you know, this is assuming that, that we even get to that point. Right. Um, well, you're not, you're not counting your eggs before you have chickens, but you have to have an idea. You have to have a game plan. Yeah. But the issue I have there, and maybe actually Scott could probably speak to this to, to a good degree too, um, is if my room is cooler, am I going to be putting that female through more because she's going to have to exert more energy to keep those temperatures more consistent instead of like, if I give her heat, it's already been, been shown that if you, you offer them external heat and they're beehived, like they, they're not, they're not having to heat as much themselves, you know, like it's, it's, it's taking a load off in a sense. Um, But if my room is cooler and they don't have that, then she's having to spend more, it's like, would it be wiser to then, if that's the case, just go ahead and do artificial uh, instead of putting her through that for, you know, 60, 50 something days. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good question. Cause obviously I don't, you know, I don't want to put her through more than she, she has to. Um, and maybe it's just a case of like, there's a heat panel in there and I plug it in and just, and just set it on a slightly lower temperature you know yeah now also has there ever been a observation of the male contributing to any kind of maternal incubation no none whatsoever i think at that point homeboy's long gone he's probably already shacked up with you know yeah two other females (laughs) yeah three trees down um yeah i don't i don't i don't think so not that i'm aware of i think it's it's all mom Um, yeah he said they use less energy the closer you are to the PBT, which is preferred body temperature. But what is the preferred body temperature? Where's that line drawn? Again, it's going to depend on the species. It's going to depend on where you're at. It's going to be tent. Well, depend on how you're keeping them. Birds are phylogenically reptiles, Phil. Birds aren't real. They're just <laughs> drones for the government. changing the batteries that's right on that note is there anything else you want to touch base on tonight depends on the species gender and age no i don't think so yeah man i just finished my cigar that my father is very good it's excellent really uh it's it's tangy it's got some pepper it's peppery it's it's got some Again, it doesn't it could it doesn't want to hurt you. Just know that it could. <laughs> right, right. <sighs> and I have an Adobe for in the morning because I didn't get to this. Nice, look at you. I freaking love dude, I love these things, man. It's like my, my go to for seven dollars and fifty cents. It's phenomenal. It's good. Phenomenal smoke. It's good. In this episode of Ask the Ipers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, again, like this is the kind of stuff that if if I can find the right people to write about it, I want to have, you know, have that kind of stuff in the magazine. Yeah, absolutely. Which I got our, our 
industry spotlight piece back. Oh, nice. We have. Um, my plan is to work on magazine stuff while I am gone in Tennessee. So good. We'll see. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I think we'll be back Thursday. Thursday might be our last episode of the year. I don't know because we had talked about people of the year, but I don't know. We didn't really finish that whole conversation. Yeah, we got to jump group. back in and see what's what. Um, figure that out. So, sure. Get that settled and then figure out if, if you know, this week is going to be it because we do like to take the last half of the month off and uh, sort of come back in the new year primed and ready to go. So, Rocking and rolling. This episode, as always, is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Use that code THN. Get 10% off your order. Save yourself something. If you're near North Georgia, there's a pickup option. Save even more. You can use that code and save on shipping and just get them yourself. And you get to see the operation, which is pretty cool. So, Worth checking out. And then uh, fullvisapparel.com as well. Get yourself some shirts, all that good stuff. Uh, THN listeners and viewers like you get that exclusive 15% off your entire order when you use the code THN at checkout. And Puget Sound Pythons, you need to be following them on Facebook and the Instagram. Stay in the loop with what they've got. Go on Morph Market, follow them. Uh, They're good people. There's no reason not to. And then... Stay caffeinated, stay awake, cold-blooded caffeine. Use the link down below. Get yourself that Snakes and Stogies blend with that that bright green, THN green label. Yeah, acid green. Right. Get it. You'll like it. It's delicious. It's good. I can't wait to drink me some. Tomorrow morning, baby. Right. Bright and early. We will see everyone later. Thank you. Bye.